wondering if an equine degree is your best option? What about deciding between a career in the barn or in the office? Let's get some answers to these questions and more with our guest, Jessica Norman, today. A long career with SmartPak, Zoetis, and now Equifit. She has so much advice for us, Thrivers. Hey, friend. Welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional. Are you wondering how to make connections to build a career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Welcome back, Thrivers. Another amazing guest episode for us today. We have so much to learn. And our guest today, I have to start out with our story. Jessica Normand, I remember sitting in the audience in a conference room at Rudin Riddle in Lexington, Kentucky. And I sat back at that point in time, I was a tenured enough equine specialist when you arrived. And Jess, I listened to you and I remember going, wow, this hire, this girl, she's a teacher, she's a marketer, she's a horse passionista, as I like to say. And I was so taken with your clear understanding and interest and curiosity and ability to educate. And I won't ever forget that because I just knew that I was in the presence of a true rock star at that point. Today, we will call you a thriving equine professional for the purposes of this podcast. But Jessica Norman, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Jody. The feeling is definitely mutual. As your audience is probably figuring out, it was such a blessing that we got to work together at uh, Zoetis and on the equine team specifically for several years. And I also remember being in Kentucky on that same trip. And I think it was over cocktails one evening, really learning your story and being so impressed by how courageous you really have been throughout your career in stepping outside of your comfort zone. And We've done lots of cool stuff together, and it's just a pleasure to be here. So I want to share with our audience today, really your career journey, Jess. And as I look back over your tenure and your journey, I can't help but focus on the word health. You really have focused on helping horses and horse owners and equine veterinarians and farriers, but you've gone from 15 years with SmartPak, five years with Zoetis, and now you're the director of equine health with Equifit. So I focused on the word health, and I think that's important to you. So I wanted from that perspective, give our listeners a little bit of of the story of your journey. 
Sure, I would love to. So I have kind of a an interesting background in that I did not come from a horsey family, but my parents, my mom and my stepfather uh, specifically were human health researchers. So my mom was a human nutritionist and my stepdad was a exercise physiologist. They were both involved in clinical research at a university. And so basically my whole childhood around the dinner table, I would hear conversations about everything from aging studies to obesity studies to helping people with eating disorders. And my mom in particular got involved with uh, studying type 2 diabetes in the Mediterranean diet and eventually wrote a book about that and was one of the founders of Eating Well magazine. So like creating educational content and helping people on that health and kind of nutrition side of things was really kind of normal in our household. But I got involved in in riding horses and taking lessons as a kid, as so many of your listeners have as well. And by the time I got to college, I was really just very intrigued about kind of combining those two worlds and thinking about equine nutrition. So that's how I ended up at Smart Pack and and had an incredible journey there, which, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But one of my personal themes is also really recognizing that horses make our lives so much better. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm fundamentally so passionate about giving horses the best possible care, because they truly are members of our family. They truly are a blessing in our life, whether you're having just having a bad day at work, we all know you just go to the barn and everything is so much better. And there's so much more that they do for folks with disabilities. I'm involved in therapeutic riding, which we can talk about as well. So really, it's just kind of interesting to me how my story has evolved because I've always been interested in the health and science and and care side of it. But as, as I've gotten older and had my own personal experiences with horses, I thought, man, it just makes so much sense that that I'm really passionate about caring for horses because horses really care for me in return and for so many of, and so for so many of us. Yes, without a doubt. So let's break it down a little bit from the beginning in that you're a New England girl. Is that right? So you're undergraduate, your associate and bachelor is University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And so how did you get then to SmartPak? Well, yes. So I grew up in Vermont. And so UMass Amherst wasn't that far away, uh, geographically speaking. And I really liked their animal science program and had a riding team. So I ended up there, did ITSA all four years, was team captain. That was an incredible experience. If you've got listeners thinking about college riding, I say do IHSA or IEA or IDA if you can, because it's such a great experience to be part of a team, but was in the animal science and equine program there. And conveniently, equine affairs in Massachusetts in, in the Western part of the state where I was going to school and uh, smart pack was founded in the Boston area. And so when I was I think I was a junior, I guess, so that would have been about 2002 smart pack was about a year and a half to two years old. It was really just hitting the radar. And you can actually go back and find an interview with me and my uh, School of Agriculture newsletter from my junior year when I was going to IHSA Nationals. I got interviewed and they were asking what I want to do after I graduate. And I said, I want to work for an equine supplement company. And that absolutely ended up coming to fruition because soon after I was emailing SmartPak and trying to ask about internships and literally no one ever emailed me back. (laughs) And 
Um, so I went to Equine Affair, like maybe about six months later, had my resume and my cover letter prepared, uh, hard copies with me. This was a while ago, folks. We weren't doing as many things digitally, but it worked, it worked in my favor. And at the time, SmartPak had a little like 10 by 10 booth with like two people working in it. And I went and introduced myself and had my resume and, and cover letter and trying to get an internship. And they said, oh, come back in half an hour. So I walked around and I came back and they said, yeah, like we're so impressed with your resume and the fact that you were so prepared, you know, would you want to come work for us during your winter break? Because I was still a junior in college at that point. And so I, it was about gosh, it was like two or three hours away from where I was going to school. So I had to figure out a place to stay, but found some friends to stay with and um, did a very short winter break internship with SmartPak and just was thrown into the mix. I mean, my first day, they were so small and so short staffed at that point, they kind of forgot I was even starting. And they were like, can you clean out the fridge? And can you like clean out Mike? We're going to a trade show in two days. You're, you're going to come with us to Maryland. Can you clean out the minivan? And I'm like taking moldy kids, cheeseburgers out of the founder's minivan, like not, not a joke. And then again, it was such a small startup that we didn't have a lot of resources. So we literally packed the trade show into a Honda Odyssey and drove like 10 hours with people I didn't know, shared a hotel room, slept on a cot, the whole nine yards. And, but I just made sure that I stood at the front of the booth and smiled and welcomed everybody and did my best to talk about the products. And by the time we got home, they said like, you're absolutely hired as soon as you graduate. And I ended up being there for 15 years. So it was an incredible kind of trial by fire, but it worked out in my favor. That's incredible. And I can see it all unfolding. We've had some of those experiences. And so you would have packed that Honda Odyssey and come on down to Timonium, Maryland. I know exactly where you were and where you came from. You got it. And yes, I was probably there that year as well in some capacity. I want to, again, remind our listeners that this goes back to so many of the lessons that we're learning here and what you and I are passionate about. Say yes, do the things, start at the beginning. Some of them may refer to that as starting at the bottom, muck the stalls, clean the minivan, do the things, say yes, jump in, be enthusiastic. You know, it's a long list of that's how you get to grow your career like this. And what a great lesson and a great example. And so as you were moving through the ranks at SmartPak, walk us through then the transition from SmartPak to Zoetis, the MBA, you kind of made that step into the next segment of your career. Yeah, absolutely. I Gosh, let's see. I got talking about SmartPak a little bit more because it truly was, I like to say I, I grew up there. I mean, I think I was 22 when I got hired and I was about 36-ish when I left. I might be getting my math wrong, but I mean, talk about formidable years and an incredible blessing that I got in so early. I was probably employee number 15 or so on the in the office. We also had a great but at that time, relatively small production operation side of things. But I was probably number employee number 15 in the office. And again, there was that that startup environment was very fundamental to who I became as a business person because I my only other jobs to date had been, besides working in barns forever as a kid and cleaning stalls, I'd been working retail at a tax at a tax store. And this was like, you go figure it out. Like 
we don't have, tra- they didn't have training yet. We didn't have staff at our Nary net. I would be, I was thrown on the phones talking to customers and getting questions about joint supplements. And I was like, well, I guess I'm glad I wrote a paper on glucosamine and chondroitin last year for school, because I'm going to go look at that. I mean, it was truly just, I can't think of a better example of just like learning on the job and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable pretty much every day. And it was hard. It was really hard, but it was also wonderful. So I kind of had a hybrid like marketing assistant and customer service type of role in the beginning. And that evolved into the company was growing like crazy. We needed to actually create a training program for what became the role of product specialist. So they asked me to step up and create a training program. And that became me being the essentially the trainer of all the equine health and nutrition products and and also a customer service manager for about five years. And because of my personal interest in equine nutrition, and we were kind of on the side dabbling in developing private label supplements that SmartPak would manufacture, the CEO, you know, very graciously recognized my my passion and my interest and basically said, you know, hey, we're working with outside nutritionists and some identifying the right contract manufacturers to help us formulate these products. We would love your input. And it was just a dream come true. I ended up becoming the first product manager for the Smart Supplements line. I'm a co-inventor of a patent on SmartGut Ultra, which has some incredible research behind it, helped launch the Colicare, Colic Surgery Reimbursement Program with an incredible team of colleagues at SmartPak and really got a ton of exposure to both brand building and SmartPak really created a very beloved following, which was a really incredible business experience to kind of learn how to do that. And also got to really learn about the product development process as well, which was just invaluable. So kind of coming towards the end of that time period, I was interested in really, I took a couple Um, marketing courses at the Harvard Extension School, which makes me sound way smarter than I am. Anyone can go there. It's it's there like in the Boston area for working executives. If you want to take really good one-off courses, you can do that. So I was able to dabble in some official marketing training there and realized I was interested in learning more and was able to do an executive MBA program at Babson College, also in Massachusetts, which allowed me to work full-time and in about two years get my business degree. So by the time all that was wrapping up in the midst of all that, SmartPak was acquired. And I recognized that as much as I loved it, I needed to have different experiences and had a connection, a mutual connection of ours, Jeannie, who was interested in bringing me over to the Zoetis Equine team as a marketer there. And it was just the perfect timing to do that. So I'll pause for a second, but that's how I made the transition to Zoetis. Yeah. And there's so much really just rich experience through everything that you've described. And I think that being able to know that we don't know what's next. That's the most important thing that we can recognize is that we don't know what's next and what opportunities are in front of us and where our interests may move, change, or pivot. And really establishing those connections and continuing to learn and be curious about the pieces and parts. We need to remember to take the blinders off 
that this is our job description and this is what we're doing every day, but look up, look around, meet people, get to know some of the other things that are happening because we really are just moving and changing and evolving at such a rapid pace. And so everything that you experience, I just can't imagine, as you mentioned, that the early 20s to your mid 30s is that that's a tremendous amount of time in our career to really move through and meet people and gain confidence and connection and all of those important aspects. So I wanted to make sure that we touched on that. So here you are then, and and you've gotten wooed over by our friend Jeannie, and you come on board with Zoetis and where I met you and you really kind of made such incredible impact with the equine division and the marketing and the platform and the products. Tell us about that experience and what made that different. So SmartPak was still, even when SmartPak had grown quite a bit, it was a solidly like medium-sized company, small to medium-sized company when I left. And Zoetis is a massive global organization. So the biggest difference, and in fact, actually, I saw it as a really good opportunity to try to get exposure to a different type of business culture. Zoetis is the largest animal health company in the world. I, I think it's like 10,000 employees globally. The U.S. equine team is more like 60-ish, I believe. But still, outside of out of my day-to-day equine role, I, I saw it as an, as an opportunity to work in such a larger organization with a whole different set of resources at the table. And so that was a big change. And also um, the focus on more of the pharmaceutical side of our industry versus the nutrition side of our industry was also an obvious difference. The convenient thing for me that really helped me early on is that during my smart pack days, for whatever reason, I got really interested in deworming and the science of parasitology in horses. Um, part of that came about because I was a trainer and we would get a lot of deworming questions. And I thought, man, I better know this stuff. And part of it was because when we launched Colicare, we really needed to understand the research out there around colic and some of the colic risk factors and what the AAP recommends in terms of parasite control was was an element of that. So when I got to Zoetis and part of my role as being a product manager for for the pharmaceuticals and the dewormers, both on the equine side, that really helped me like have this little transition, this chunk of knowledge that transitioned from one role to the next really gave me some confidence, even though I didn't know the foggiest thing about dermosity and torbogesic and ketophen and all of these sedatives and other equine pharmaceuticals that I was suddenly managing. I at least kind of understood the dewormers that were in my portfolio. And I think that's, that's a theme that I would encourage our, your audience to look out for. Like as you make these transitions from one job to the next, you're never going to have a hundred percent of the skills or a hundred percent of the knowledge you quote unquote need according to the job description. And especially for women, you know, I think there's a lot of studies that prove that that women tend to look at a job description and only see the things that they don't know how to do and think, well, I'm not qualified. And right or wrong, men, you know, it's being stereotypical here, but typically men are a little bit more comfortable saying, ah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and so having that, you know, reminding yourself when you read a job description, it's okay if you can't do 100% of the things or if some of the things 
make you nervous, that means you're going to grow in that role. And it's a good thing. So anyway, I made the jump to pharmaceuticals. I had a lot to learn and it was, it was a tremendous, awesome experience. So Edis is also a great company. I mean, I've really been blessed by only working for great companies in, in the equine space. But one of the cool things for me too, that I got to bring to the table was that Smart Pack, of course, is a direct to consumer organization where uh, very marketing centric, the focus on every aspect of the brand and how the brand shows up in the equine space, how it makes people feel from the photography to the fun language to the educational content. That was a really big focus at Smart Pack. So I had opportunity to learn a lot about how to do that well. And just because the universe is wise, I joined Zoetis at a time where the organization was starting to recognize, hey, we've been for 70 years, we've been an incredibly reputable manufacturer of drugs and medications and devices for primarily for the veterinarian as the user of the products. But it's time to also start to do a better job connecting those the the Zoetis story and how our products care for your animals with the end consumer, meaning the horse owner, pet owner, what have you. And so that was another place where my smart pack experience of talking directly to horse owners for so many years worked really well in that transition to the new job. And I didn't plan that. It just happened that way. So that was very cool as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And that was so an impactful and to your point the universe is wise and and there you landed and that's how you and I really got to spend some of our most quality time together because I also have an obsession with parasitology and especially being in central Kentucky where anything that happens usually good or bad as it relates to equine health happens there first because of our stocking density etc and just the uh, standard of care there So we did spend a lot of time focused on dewormers and what an exciting campaign and all the marketing that was put together and the education that went along with that. So it was truly fun to watch the magic happen. Now, from Zoetis, you have a recent, very exciting change where you have been named the Director of Equine Health, Jessica, at Equifit. So while you may have grown up in Vermont, it seems to me that Massachusetts very quickly became home to you and there are so many ties. So let's talk a little bit about your current role, but also we will clarify that you have moved from a New England girl to a Western state's girl over the past couple of years. So bring us up to speed. So yeah, so uh, one of the silver linings of COVID for for me personally was that it allowed me the flexibility to relocate from the East Coast to Montana, which is a lifelong dream to get out West. And my significant other is is a farrier and was teaching at the vet school at Illinois. And we were long distance for quite some time. And the farrier school at Montana State University in Bozeman needed a new director. And so COVID hit, that job got posted. Suddenly I had more flexibility to work from home and the the leadership team at Zoetis very graciously let me relocate in 2020 to Montana. So I've been here three years this month, actually. And that was great. So the last 
three, three of my five years working for Zoetis was remote from Montana, essentially. And then um, very recently, this other opportunity with Equifit came up and it was the right time to make another change. And they also were uh, very amenable to me continuing to work remotely. As you mentioned, Equifit is based in the Boston area, just like SmartPak. And in fact, really the reason that the Equifit opportunity came up for me was because of my past connections at SmartPak. A very dear friend that I had worked with for, I think, 10 or 12 years is head of business development. And um, most of the team reports into her and she, they're looking to grow in some new ways. And she really recognized over the last couple of years, some opportunities they had with both product development and also just generally maybe leaning in a little bit more to horse care. And I, and I, I can talk more about their original core product line in a second, but both from my sort of experience with the product development process, regardless of what products they are, but also from my horse health background, there was kind of two complementary areas that she recognized that they really were needing more support and also really wanting to get more focused on horse health. And she just literally called me out of the blue and said, I can't stop thinking about you. You know, this is exactly what we need at Equifit. Would you ever think about coming over? And again, because the universe is wise, it happened to be a really good time for me to think about making a change. So, you know, that took a couple of months to come together because they had to create a whole new position just for me. So I had to be patient. But I mean, how flattering and how incredible that a job was created with with my skill set in mind. And so, I mean, I just I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity so Equifit is for your listeners, especially if they ride hunter jumper or dressage, they may have a little bit more familiarity, but Equifit's actually about 20 years old. And the, the core products are really incredibly made from both a material and technology and design standpoint, and also an aesthetic standpoint incredibly made uh, protective gear for horses, particularly boots, like for show jumpers, for example. So the incredible story behind the company is that the founder, whose name is Alexandra Cherubini, she's an incredible rider. And her father founded a human medical device and, and medical material company, again, in the Boston area, I believe almost 50 years ago. And uh, he was an engineer and had a lot of experience creating different materials and product designs, everything from casts and things somebody might wear because of an injury to, you know, special foam material to prevent bed sores with hospital beds, things, things of that nature. And so Alexandra, kind of like me with the nutrition and the interest in horses, she really, I believe, was the only person that rode in her family but had grown up in this world of the original company that her father founded, thinking about solving problems and using material science and using new advancements in technology to support and prevent injuries. And she said, we can do that for horses. And so she founded Equifit. And so the, her father's original company is essentially a sister company, but Equifit is, is a standalone com- entity that's a hundred percent focused on, on horses and riders. And gear and all kinds of beautiful stuff for, especially for performance horses. Wow. 
So that's an exciting change, right? So you've certainly gone through a bit of a career evolution. And I'll remind myself and our listeners that it does come back to your focus on equine health. And so while your audience has changed a little bit in each of these roles, you have truly created your career trajectory based on understanding and knowing your skills and building your connections. And so I think that those are are two just really key points of focus. And I know that you talk about discovering and acknowledging your own strengths. And then can you tell us more, Jess, about tailoring your career for success by utilizing those strengths? It has come out in each step of your career, but I know that's something that we really love to share with our listeners is that tactical advice. Yes, that's a great question. Honestly, I think it goes all the way back to the beginning to when I was a teenager working in the barn, cleaning stalls. And I think this is something that some of your other guests have mentioned here and there too. I really, I'm grateful that I had this awareness early on, probably got lucky that I figured this out early on. I recognize pretty young that my trainer and my barn managers that I worked for, I groomed, I cleaned stalls. I did all those things. I really recognized that they had a pretty hard life. They were pretty exhausted all the time and and often struggled financially. And then I started to see in myself when I taught riding camp all week or clean stalls all day, the last thing I wanted to do was ride my own horse. And I really, that kind of scared me a little bit. And so that's not to say that there aren't incredible careers for trainers and barn managers and things of that nature. But for me, I had an awareness pretty early on that I loved the more kind of academic side of the horse world. I was the kid that was not the naturally talented rider. I rarely won my class. I didn't have the nicest horses, but I loved to read and was really interested in learning everything I could to know about horses. And in fact, one of my one of my only times that I like won a big class, I can remember it was the judge incorporated a horsemanship component. And I was the only kid in the class that could describe to her what laminitis was. And I won. And it wasn't because I was the best rider in the class, but it's because I had that more, that interest in like the care and the, and reading and learning. And so luckily I can say, although I did go to an animal science program all through my college career. I was very clear. I wanted to be on the industry side of the equine world. And I wanted to build a career that then could also fund having horses personally. And that, you know, that took a while, but I think really getting honest with yourself about, are you the type of person who loves to be outside all day, needs the physical activity, needs the hands-on interaction with horses every single day to be happy? Or are you somebody who might want to spend more time at a computer or at a desk or reading and only go ride your own horses for fun at the end of the day? Like that to me is a pretty fundamental decision and you might not figure it out right away, but I hired over a hundred product specialists at SmartPak when I was helping to run the customer care team did a ton of training, a ton of onboarding. And there was a definite profile of the young woman who was a very talented rider, very avid rider, very active physical person who thought, oh man, I'll go work for SmartPak. This will be the coolest thing ever. And they made it about three months after their training and they just 
mentally could not handle sitting at a desk all day. They truly missed being in the barn and they went back and they rode professionally or they became barn managers or what have you. And that to me, as I see as like a really important distinction to kind of figure out about yourself. So from there, I learned also that I have a really good skill of learning some pretty technical kind of sciencey information, whether it's reading a research paper or listening to a lecture that's maybe a little bit more advanced and technical. And then I can translate that into a little bit more kind of user-friendly, digestible bits of information. Um, And I'm also a good writer. So those things really served me so well in helping to create content for both SmartPak and Zoetis and now hopefully for Equifit where I can put myself in the shoes of the average rider, the average horse owner who might feel a little bit overwhelmed making the supplement decision or the deworming decision or um, deciding what protective gear they need for their horse's legs and kind of break it down in a little bit more user-friendly way. So that's something I've really leaned into as well. Yeah. And I think that is so important. And you really kind of touched on both of your primary points of discovering your strengths and using them to tailor your career for success. I did a recent episode on just that understanding whether it is disc or strengths finders or an Enneagram or working genius, whatever it is, spend some time very intentionally understanding yourself. And every time I talk about that, if there's one piece of advice that I would give to my early career self of getting out of school and starting my career, that's it is taking that little bit of investment financially. Most of them are very affordable, but then really taking the time to understand them ourselves and to work with others who can help us understand and leverage it. But, and secondary to that advice, Jess, I love your coaching to decide between the barn and the office. That's not always easy. And I hear you, we have that conversation time and again with our young people, with even new hires coming into roles. How can I manage having this job, having a a life that includes riding, it's not easy. And I think you and I can both tell some of those stories at different parts of our, our journey where we have been horseless, if you will. And what that, those sacrifices that we make along the way to establish ourselves into a role and then manage and set our boundaries and work it all in. You have a great partner, Sawyer, that is getting a little of your time these days. So how do you make that work? You made a decision between barn and office when it came to your career, you chose office, but you are in Montana and you are keeping Sawyer fit. It looks like according to social media. Yes. Yeah. No. And, and I, and just speaking to the sacrifice for a second, I also distinctly will never forget that it took me eight years from the time I graduated and had to officially pay all of my own bills to eight years of being a working full-time working person to be able to afford a horse of my own again. And as a young person, sometimes that was really 
frustrating. Sometimes I felt like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to be able to have a horse again? But looking back, it was like, again, I rode friends' horses where I could, you know, I had some free leases and things like that, but it was, it was meant to be, it was an important kind of learning and growing and character building experience to learn how to pay my own bills and really appreciate when I got to the point financially that I could afford to have a horse again and um, how to how to manage that appropriately. And, and horses, no matter where you are in your career, are always a big financial commitment. But um, I just say that because for young people who are in that post-college era where you're feeling really a little down about maybe not being able to ride or maybe you can keep your horse, but you can't afford to show, like that's so common. And at SmartPak, we coined a term, we call them re-riders, which are folks who've had to take a gap, whether it's that financial gap and or you've started a family and you need to take a break from just from bandwidth and time perspective. You need to take a break because you have young children and then you come back to riding. It's always going to be there for you. So don't despair. But yes, I um, when we first moved to Montana, I had... Sawyer at home with another pastor mate horse and had my first experience of having horses at home for about, for just about three years. And then recently made the decision to, with my new job transition and a few other life changes that I was going to try boarding again. And I've realized, I really think I'm a boarding person. Like I have my little barn at home. I, he can always come home if I need him to, which is nice to have the option, but I never rode less than when I had my horses at home, all of my kind of horse time and energy allocation was going to all of the chores and things and finding hay, buying hay, picking up hay, stocking hay. I mean, it just felt like this endless cycle of managing hay, which I found very stressful. And so I think that for me, I've also had a lesson like financially, it comes out a slightly higher to have him boarded around here, but the, the mental space, sort of the energy that's, that I have now to actually go ride and work on my horsemanship and set some goals and like re-engage in my relationship with my horse is well worth it to me. But that's just the phase I'm in right now. And we all have different chapters and and that's okay. I also think it's really interesting that especially if you have a long-term relationship with a particular horse, it really, I've had Sawyer 10 years now since he was a four-year-old and it really is a relationship just like any other. And it does have chapters. And there was a time when I was showing him and really riding all the time. And then there was three years where he lived at home and had a semi-retirement and, and now we're back in full work and he's better than ever. And I'm, and there's just kind of this ebb and flow. And if you can give yourself and give your horse some grace, I'm really enjoying it more than ever because I'm just letting it be what it is for right now. You know what I mean? Yes. So wise. There's such great advice and great wisdom in that of understanding yourself and giving yourself the grace that you need in the space that you're in, creating your own path and not having to do anyone else's path. I think that's so important. Well, that's probably a great transition. I said that word. And of course, I cannot leave any conversation with Jessica Norman without talking about your incredible time spent volunteering. And so I know that an organization that is near and dear to your heart is PATH International. So just tell us a little bit about uh, that acronym and that organization. And I know that you have volunteered with them for many years. 
Yes, thank you so much. I'm very proud to say that I am a board member of PATH International. It is a volunteer board of trustees position. I'm, I think, in my third year ish. And that started out because again, when I was back in Massachusetts, I started volunteering for a local PATH international member center called Wild Hearts Horses for Heroes, which was a all groundwork horsemanship focused program for veterans in Massachusetts and was there just about five years. The only reason I stopped is because I had I relocated for jobs, but really saw firsthand how even without riding as riding wasn't even in the picture in this particular program, but really saw firsthand how horses have such an incredible ability to, to help people, you know, and that's something that I already knew innately my own experience. Unfortunately, my, my mom passed away suddenly in a car accident when I was 19. And so I truly think that horses saved me. I, made a choice to go. I was in between my freshman sophomore year of college and the fact that I was doing the riding team and had a project horse at school and had a community of other um, horse people and riding friends at school, like really kept me on track and really gave me something positive to focus on. And all throughout my, you know, my healing and griefing process, horses have just been so significant. So it wasn't a surprise later, later on in life, when I started working with the veterans, it wasn't a, a surprise at all to see people with trauma of a different kind respond so positively. Also, because of my equine health experience, kind of coincidentally around the same time, I met somebody who invited me to join the equine welfare committee for PATH International. And then that evolved into being invited to apply for a board position. So that's all in all, I think that's going on about seven years or so that I've been officially involved in PATH International. And the umbrella term that we use these days, there's been a lot of work by very smart people in this kind of therapeutic horsemanship space, um, the umbrella term we're, we're now trying to encourage everyone to use is equine assisted services. So that encompasses everything from therapeutic riding, which might be somebody with a physical disability actually riding a horse to veterans programs, which could be mounted or unmounted, a whole bunch of equine assisted psychotherapy type programs where a mental health professional might work one-on-one -on -one with a patient and incorporate horses into that therapy, occupational therapy. There is equine assisted learning, especially for, for children with learning disabilities and developmental disabilities. So it really, it runs the gamut. And I'm really proud to be part of an, a global organization that's creating safety standards and really advocating for for this work. So yes, that's, that's the path international side of things. Well, and I think that's really important to share because of what volunteerism and service just does for us in our own character, in our ability to learn and connect and give back and how much fulfillment comes from those types of roles. So again, I think it's just a great example of being well-rounded in the life balance that is a thriving equine career and a thriving equine professional. It's part of every aspect of your life. So I think that the volunteerism and your work with PATH was really important to share with our listeners. 
So as we kind of wrap up, we're getting to the end of our time. Jess, is there anything else that you would share with our listeners? We know we have so many young people who are seeking advice and coaching and how do we break into this equine industry? What advice do you have? Gosh, that's such a good question. I think my first piece of advice, and I say this as somebody who did an animal science slash equine degree, you don't have to do that. And in fact, I think, I think there's a lot of folks who don't necessarily have very much personal experience with horses and they go to an equine program in for their undergraduate degree. And they expect that they're going to come out and just the whole world is going to be like, Oh, you have an equine science degree. You can have any equine job that you want. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact, I Right or wrong, I, I certainly have observed that a lot of established equine professionals, whether they're trainers, veterinarians, barn managers, people on the industry side, they don't necessarily always think that highly of an equine degree. What they, it's not that an equine degree in and of itself is bad, but it has to just be a supplement to real life experience in the horse world. You really can't expect that it's going to be the only credential that gets you the opportunities you're looking for. And so if you're considering that type of a program, that's fine, but really think about what begin with the end in mind, like start thinking about where you want to go. And if it is to be a professional rider or trainer, you've got to go ride with somebody great and ride a lot of horses. You're not going to necessarily get that type of experience in a college program. Some of them you'll ride a ton, don't get me wrong, but it's just not enough in and of itself. So when you're thinking about your degree, take it with a grain of salt. I was really lucky that I had my animal science advisor was a retired veterinarian. Right from my sophomore year, I said, I don't want to go to vet school, which a lot of kids in my program were preparing for vet school. And he let me out of some of my more advanced, like high level organic chem and things like that. So I could take marketing classes. And I was just really lucky that he kind of made that exception for me because I was really pretty clear. And I understand a lot of students aren't clear yet, but gosh, like if you, let's say you love marketing and brand building and you have sort of a similar interest to me um, or product development, I would lean more towards studying those things specifically, like getting a, a, you know, a marketing degree with business degree with a marketing focus or things like that. And then also get a ton of hands-on experience with horses that might serve you better. I mean, it totally depends on the program, but that's something I'll throw out there. Yeah. I love that advice because you and I are so similar and we ask, we answer that question so often and I feel very much the same way. And the word that I use is versatility. And so I think that if we are not looking at our opportunities to uh, sharpen our skills in a business, economics, marketing, finance, whatever space that is, the equine piece will come along and the job experience that we bring to the table, the internships, the externships, the, the connections that we're building because of our extracurricular equine activities, those are all impactful. So I appreciate that advice a great deal because we see so much of it. And I would encourage all of us to increase our versatility and look beyond simply segment in equine. Yeah. And it's really going to set you apart because again, I'm going to kind of go back more towards like the branding marketing mindset, um, because that's my, most of my experience. 
And I say this with all the love in my heart. There's very few equine companies in this space that are actually really good at marketing and brand building. It's changing because through the advent of social media and like a lot of businesses are getting smarter about this kind of stuff. But I cannot tell you how many times I still pick up an equine publication and I think, oh my God, who designed this ad? It's just like the bare minimum of graphic design skills, of consumer awareness. It's just the equine space in particular always is a little bit behind in terms of being really good at those particular really deep areas of business skills. And so graphic design is a great example. Like if you have an interest in design and an interest in horses, like go to design school, learn all of the design programs you can learn, get hands-on experience, build a beautiful portfolio. It doesn't have to be all horses. In fact, if you have more variety to your photography or your graphic design or whatever it is you're working in, and then you can bring that back to a horse company they're going to, you're going to be so much more valuable to them because you had outside skills from other parts of the world that you brought to the table. And that was frankly a place that I got lucky that smart pack grew so fast that they hired a tremendous amount of incredible people from software development, front end it print graphic design and um, digital graphic design. And I got the chance to work with all of those people. And I got lucky because I learned so much from them and most of them are not even horse people. SmartPack did a really smart thing in the early days and hired people who were the best at their skills. And that's what really brought the company along. And so a lot of those folks, you know, maybe rode in their personal life, but they weren't professionally in the equine space. And then lo and behold, we got this incredible creative director who was an eventing rider, but her whole career had been focused on her her design experience. And that's what landed her at SmartPak because they wanted the best designer. And so just kind of think about that too, because it'll really set you apart in the equine industry. Yeah, tremendous advice. And I couldn't agree more. So these are the reasons that we are sharing these stories. And Jess, I can't thank you enough for sharing all of your experiences and wisdom and love and passion for this industry and the steps that it has taken for you to get to where you are as the director of equine health for Equifit. So my gracious thanks for sharing so much with our listeners today. I've been kind of wrapping up with my Jody Speaks Life acronym of living inspired, fulfilled and empowered. And you truly are a thriving example of just that. And so tell us as we close here today, Jess, what does living inspired, fulfilled and empowered mean to you? Well, I will I will bring it back to the theme of health and I'll, and I'll say that one of the things I've learned now that I'm in my early forties and I have, you know, had this very blessed career, but it has not always been easy, even though horses are fun and I've worked for all these super cool companies. I've worked really hard and some of it's been difficult. I have learned, especially in the last couple of years coming out of COVID and, and things, how important it is to take care of your own health. So it's slightly different topic, but just I know all of your listeners care so much about their horses and put so much effort into every aspect of their care. And I think what I've learned recently is I also need to apply that to myself because if you aren't 
taking breaks and resting and truly embracing downtime, you're not going to show up as your best self. And I know we hear that left and right, but truly what I've kind of learned the hard way is when I do rest my brain or my body and go, go for a walk or go for a ride or whatever it is, when I come back to work, what I produce is so much better. And I just, I have recently a couple young women that I have helped mentor. And my advice to them has been like, really learn how to incorporate that mindset. And I frankly, I think these younger generations are better at it already than our generation, Jody. But I think really thinking about how to embrace that wellness and self-care mindset early in your career, because there's like a fine balance between you can bust your ass and you have to bust your ass to like get these opportunities, but you can also do it in a way that doesn't take a mental and physical toll. And so think about how to balance those two things would, I think, probably be my advice for how to keep that inspiration and that fulfillment and that empowerment going day to day. Perfect. I love that you were able to kind of wrap it all back together, the health of the horse and our own mental health and wellness. And so Jess, I know there's going to be some folks who want to follow you and be in touch with you. And so how do you want people to find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Jessica Normand with a D on the end. And I have a very cute Morgan horse in my picture. So you probably won't miss me. But yes, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Send a little note to say that you found me through Jody's podcast. And I would love to connect with you. And don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to Jody's podcast. Because if you're getting as much out of this as I'm sure you are, that's the way to give back to her. Oh, thanks, Jess. Gosh, I don't even need to say that, right? And yes, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And we'll drop Jess's contact in the show notes today. So Thrivers, thank you so much for tuning in again to this amazing episode. And you can touch base with me on my website as well at www.jodyspeakslife, J-O-D-I speakslife.com. And with that, we will see you back here same time next week. Thrivers, have an amazing day. Cheers. Hey, Thriver. I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.